Cruz. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from the heart of Manhattan in Rockefeller Center, New York City, where I guess they have a Christmas tree. I haven't seen it yet. Newsstand Studios, joined as usual with uh, John here in front of me. How you doing? Doing great, thanks. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Beachy. All yeah. right. Slim. Yeah, great. Yeah. Joe Hayes and rocking the panels. What's up? Hey, how you guys doing? doing all right. Hey, I'm still in New York. I didn't even look behind me to see the tree. How about that? It's there. <laughs> it's there. Did it's you a hear tree. The, did you hear the one at the White House uh, 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 fell down? No, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I love that so much. Yo, uh, we'll get back to that in a sec. I got uh, Jackie Molecules over there in California. How you doing? Yo, I'm Yo, good. Good, good. And uh, Nastasia the Hammer Lopez, what's good? Oh, hi. <laughs> nothing's good. Nothing, nothing's good. Well, good. Stay consistent. And then uh, in the upper, upper left, we got uh, Quinn, uh, rocking Vancouver Island. What's up, hey. Quinn? Yeah? Uh, not too much. My uh, sad news, my Christmas water buffalo prime rib connection fell through. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, you know, maybe like what was it like a legitimate person or was it like the butcher from uh Chicago that Nastasia no, and I it yeah. was a legitimate person, mm-hmm. but the just the logistics didn't work out. Yeah. So it's not like with us where the butcher is now in jail for doing illegal meat practices. Because that's what happened to us. As far as I know, no. Yeah. 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 But uh when we used to buy meat from that guy it was uh, one of Nastasia's favorite moments that I remember at uh, the French Culinary Institute where we were cooking a whole raccoon. Remember this, Stas? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. We're cooking a whole raccoon. Low temp, sous vide, right? The same way that, like, I was thinking maybe it's kind of like a really big cooey, right? Because we used to take, you know, we would take the cooey and we would low. I did it with a, you know, a, a, he's now in bar, but uh, he was in the culinary intern at the time at the SCI. And he, he, was, he was bringing in cooeys for his final, you know, guinea pigs for his, uh, for his final project, right? Because he's Ecuadorian. I think he's Ecuadorian. And uh, <clears throat> I think. And uh, so we were low temping the whole cooey and then deep frying them to crisp up the outside. And you know what they were? Delicious. Delicious. They're real good. <laughs> so good. Uh, I mean, like, talk about, like, if you need a whole animal on a skewer, I highly recommend a guinea pig. They, I mean, like, you know, unless you grew up, you know, whatever. You can get them in markets in Brooklyn, I've seen. Yeah. Like in the freezer section. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. They're always frozen. I've never yeah. seen one fresh. Well, I'm going to go ahead and... where you could go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. John, not the same guinea pig, my friend. Uh, but, uh, you know... <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it tastes better than rabbit. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say cooey better than rabbit. Okay. Anyway. Wow. So Anastasia and I get this raccoon, and it's it's rather large. I mean, cooeys are like, you know, like you know, a little bit, you know, they're smallish. You know, I mean, smaller than most rabbits you get. And uh, uh, this, how big was that raccoon, Anastasia? I don't know, like 14 inches long? Yeah, 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 yeah. And gross, right? And so we low-tempt it. And and then deep fried it, and it was uh, disgusting. It was just terrible. But that's not the good part. The good part is, a tour. They were constantly bringing tour groups by these big windows at the French Culinary Institute where we were working. And Nastasi and I only had access to the real kitchens for about thirty five seconds every day in between the classes. We were like, we would come out of our garbage room like roaches and rats, and like work in the kitchen for like you know an hour before we get kicked out again. Remember this, Stas? Yeah. yeah. We're like, we'll go back to our garbage room soon. <laughs> you know, like that. Pretty much that's how we were treated. And, uh, you know, please, please let me cook a little longer. <laughs> anyway, so um, we have this, like, uh, this raccoon that had just come out of the bath, like, dripping wet with, like, oil and, like, all this stuff. We're getting ready to deep fry it. Tour guide comes by with a group of prospective students. One person, Nastasia's listening because she's next to the window. One person. Oh, what? We have. We had to leave when they came by the kitchens. We had to go back to the trash room. Oh, yeah, because we weren't, uh, so what's, rac- yeah, yeah, we weren't, uh, what's it called? Uh, first of all, I refused to wear chef's hats because I was like, no. You know what I mean? Like, there's a couple of things I refused to do. Yeah. So that was one of them. Nastasia, too. Nastasia's like, if he's not going to wear it, I'm not going to wear the goofy hat. There's no way Nastasia's going to wear that hat. Yeah. Am I right, Stas? You're not going to wear that hat. First of all, I understand it was a we thing. We still chef. Yeah, I know. And the other, but the other thing is, is that like it was, well, okay. The other thing is, is that we had to wear those super tall paper toques. You know what I mean? And yeah. you could not go into a fridge with one of those things without knocking it off your head and looking like a complete tool. 
You know what I mean? I was like, what the hell is this? This yeah. is the least efficient method of covering your hair that I've ever seen in my life. It, it, it makes the strimal look like an effective hat, like a quick effective hat for a hair covering. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, uh, the, you know what they are? They're the equivalent of those super tall, double tall bikes that you see idiots like hipsters yeah, ride, yeah. riding around where if they stop, they fall over because their feet can't touch the ground. One of those. Anyway, like that. Uh, so anyway, so like we, we huddle over and there's the things. And so the, the, the one of the, you know, teenagers, whatever, turn around. What do you think it is they're cooking? Tour guide, without missing a beat, looks over, goes, don't know, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then just starts walking. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, that's one hell of an answer. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, baby. <laughs> just keep going. Amazing. Nuts. Nuts. I don't even know how we got on that story. Talking about Christmas trees? Not caring? New Yorkers? I don't know. Something like that, yeah. Anyway. No, my, we're talking about, uh, oh, Buffalo. My, yeah, yeah. Meat connection. Yeah, so uh, I'm sure, look, listen, if anyone can hear the sound of this voice uh, within the next, uh, you know, week or so, can someone figure out where my man can get him some uh, some water buffalo? He was trying to choose between water oh, buffalo well. and bison, but now he's choosing between nothing and Kadopolis because he's not getting anything. You know what I mean? So <laughs> instead he's getting the Shkotongorp. Well, you know what I'm saying? We're, we're working... We're working on plans A, B, C through D. All right. Well, what are C and D since A and B are, are in the toilet right now? Well, again, going to the mainland and getting. Mm. Oh, you were going to get some island, um, island buffalo? Well, no. Here's the thing. Okay, here's the weird thing. Uh-huh. The animals, live animals, come to the island and they get slaughtered and then they get sent back. Why? Do you guys have different oh, rules? Right. Well, when it's on I an island, we can kill them however we want. Because, I mean, like, what's the thing? I think, I think because there are other, or there were other bison ranches on the island, we may have an abattoir that specializes oh, man. in bison. Oh, now I have in my head the word abattoir, as used to be said by the Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef people. Abattoir. Oh, that was that was white oak pasture. That was white, oh, white oak, oak pastures. pastures. Oh, white oak pastures. Uh-huh. Yeah, abattoir. Oh man, that just brought me back. Yeah. How wow. good was that guy's voice? Was he a good dude or no? Oh, great. Abattoir. Uh, I don't know. I mean, from from what I could tell. Yeah, he, he has a very smooth voice for someone who's about to come up and kill you. Abattoir. Will Harris. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, back to uh, Christmas trees. For, oh, by the way. Uh, on animals, uh, Quinn, I've never had one, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say that if you can get yourself a standing yak roast, as long as it's a high altitude yak, and there is actually a Colorado and maybe even a New Mexico high altitude yak uh, ranch. Yeah. yeah. I've never bought their stuff because <laughs> I don't have the money, but like, uh, I mean, a Christmas yak roast, that would be, that would be nice. Have you ever been over to that butcher, uh, Paisano's on Smith street? No, but I Brooklyn? like the name. Uh, they have rattlesnake. They have a couple different types of bison, probably buffalo too as well. They have some really exotic frozen, it's frozen meat. But is it good? I don't know. I It's just not my cup of tea to do any of that. Yeah, I mean like yak meat is legitimately delicious, like straight up good, right? Uh, I've never had a huge, I've had buffalo and bison, but never like huge things. I mean, uh, back when... I don't, it's hard to tell how much of the old writing about, um, <clears throat> you know, Plains uh, Buffalo, you know, Plains Bison, like what their taste was like, because it used to be said that you could not eat your fill of it because people enjoyed eating it so much. And it was like, you know, relatively lean and, and easy eating. But I don't know how much of that is colored by the racism of us wanting to completely wipe out the species so that we could also wipe out uh, the people. Um, it's hard to say. You know what I mean? Uh you can buy a bull calf yak for $2,200 from this place in Colorado. High country critters. High country critters? Yeah. Buy the whole thing? Yeah. But what if I... Living. Oh, I don't... What am I going to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Jen, good news, bad news. Uh, yeah. I got the I got the Christmas rose covered, but, you know... Meanwhile, the yak will be so mad living in a New York City apartment. Like, there's nothing... Like, not only do I have to live in this tiny apartment... But it's like low, le- it's like low lying. <laughs> it's like taking a freaking marathon runner and like, you know, I don't know, whatever. <clears throat> so uh, back to Christmas for a second. Uh, Jack, tell me a little more about this White House Christmas tree falling over. 
I, I don't know about that. that. I, I, I read on Instagram last week that there were because the, the, the major yeah. gusts of winds mm-hmm. that occurred over on the East Coast uh, took it down, and no one was hurt. A lot of ornaments were damaged. <laughs> I think the tree kind of splintered. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what they did. Maybe mm-hmm. they put up a fake one. That's kind of sad, though. Like, if it's splintered, I mean, I like a good, like, uh, my favorite was I was in Mystic, Connecticut, which is where my in-laws live. And they did their big Christmas tree light up. And, like, you know, it was a huge buildup, like, you know, fake Santa and everything was there, the whole nine yards. Like, we're all freezing our butts off because it used to be cold around that time of year back then. And they flicked off on the lights and one half the tree went out. It, like, went, and then one half the tree went out. And I was the only one. Because <laughs> I love stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, I love the wah wah. Uh, wow. All right. Um, yeah. So, do you guys have any good? I, I have a good food story. I went to this uh, restaurant. What was it called? Uh, Temperance. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. 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 Good. So, uh, you have a very like crowd pleasing beef tartare. Thank you. Yeah. It's been selling a lot lately, which yeah, I'm happy wanna, about. You want to talk about your uh, particular tartare? By the way, it comes out. Looking like a perfect, uh, like a, imagine if hockey pucks were big or you were tiny looking at a hockey puck. It's like, it's like a hockey, right? Yeah. It's no, like I mean, a big it's hockey puck. Right. And the ring mold and stuff. Yeah. Full, yeah. yeah. Um, Struck off nicely. No yeah. little flirts of garbage coming Appreciate off of it. it. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, you know what I love to see in a tartar? Ropey, sinewy bits of like protein garbage, like coming off of the fat chunks Yum. and forming like little weird hairs. Yep. That's my favorite. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I'm kidding. I hate no, that. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so we take hanger steak, grind it up, and then mix it with uh, diced shallots, capers, and then uh, like a piccalilli aioli. So it's yeah. uh, the Heinz piccalilli um, from the jar, and then egg yolk, Worcestershire, Tabasco, black pepper, uh, and mayo, and then just toss the meat with that and put some chives on top, give it a little color, and it's yeah. delicious, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, it's the, what I like about it is it's got that, it's got a good, uh, the acid hit from the, I guess, from the pickles. The pickle, yeah. So it gives it that, like, uh, it's got that, it's got real nice acid tang, which makes it, so you know how, like, a lot of times tartare, if it's not balanced right, you can be like, one bite, you're like, yay, and the next bite, you're like, eh, and then you're like, you know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. like I am with, like, when someone gives you too much foie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. That too much foie feeling. Yeah. Uh, some people can't have too much foie, but like I, I can. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, yeah, yeah. I love some foie. Yeah. And I could eat non-finite amounts of uh, pâté de foie gras spread on infinite amounts of bread. Yes. You know what I mean? Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 It's yeah. like, oh, more unctuous. Lot, Thanks. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But like the, the, uh, the acid, I think really, uh, really, really, uh, brings it out and makes it, I think real crowd pleaser. Thanks. Like yeah. No, I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. So it's been selling very well since I put it on the menu, which I'm happy about. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know how like a lot of times when you have uh, acid and something like that, the meat, especially if it sits around, can get kind of grainy because yeah. the acid changes it and the bind gets weird. Yeah. No, no, good. Good. Yeah. Glad to hear that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Had no. your Fra Diablo. So, uh, you know what that, you know, I think Fra Diablo is hilarious because for me, it's a 70s thing. Oh, yeah. But it's yeah. delicious. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or 80s. I guess it's more 80s. But because everything in the 80s, mm, Fra Diablo. Yeah. But like, uh, Jen was like, you know, Jen, who's my age, was like, how spicy you think? It's not going to be that spicy. Come on. It's not going to be that spicy. Come on. This isn't like, you know, you know, Uncle Boons or whatever. It's not going to be yeah, that exactly. spicy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it was not. It's good. good. Yeah, yeah. Good. Glad yeah. to hear that. Yeah. yeah. What else do we have? I don't remember. The chocolate mousse. The oh, chocolate Pella. mousse. Yeah. Which you've never seen the movie Top Secret. No, I haven't. <laughs> I forgot you yeah, said that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You gotta see the Which movie. Which one? I only I don't There's I don't, quite a few. I only the first one, Val you know, Val Kilmer with yeah. That's someone chocolate mousse is the character in it. So anytime someone says chocolate mousse in my head, I'm hearing <laughs> chocolate mousse. Uh I mean it's I don't th- are you allowed to do stupid fake French accents anymore in movies, or is that considered not okay. I don't know. I, I don't think like Peter Sellers would do very well right now. Oh no! I was thinking about that. He is one of the more talented, only did racist bits actors like ever. The party? Oh, the most racist. So hardcore. Peter Sellers. Did, he, there was never a situation he couldn't make racist. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was just. I mean, even in Doctor Strange Love, as strange as that movie is. Yeah. It's pretty. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, 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 he yeah. nails it. Though. And he was, you know, uh, by all accounts, like a messed up dude in the real life. You know what I mean? Like super mm. talented, super talented. 
know. Hey, I got some news for you. Um, uh, we we had a candle company in here last week for another podcast called Magical Moments, and uh, the company is called the New Savant. And I told them the story about the Geosyn. Oh yeah? yeah, yeah, they loved it. The They're like, yeah. oh, that's uh, yeah, because we're working with Geosyn right now with some candles to make a you know the smell of the the the, the smell of rain or yeah. or or petrichor as 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 it is called. Yeah, yeah, dirt candy, great restaurant, dirt candle. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't been back to dirt candy in a <laughs> long time. But yeah, so like yeah, I'll, I'll check out their candle. You send me a link to their to their uh, their candle and because. Uh, Every time someone comes to my house now, I was like, anyone need a lot of dirt smell? I got it. I got extra. Not using it. Anyone? Joe, you do not want this thing of dirt. Imagine if someone spilled that dirt thing in here. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I like the smell of dirt. So, But, I mean, that's yeah. a pretty intense. I, I find it hilarious that you overindulge the uh, 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 the pool uh, with, um you know, yeah. or, or whatever your beverage. Yeah. Only by a factor of a million. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> Only had it a million times too much. You know, literally, oh, I got a caller. Caller, you're on the air. Ooh. Wow. Is this... Uh. Is Andre 3000? <laughs> uh, uh. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Since I do not speak Bansuri, I will have to translate. Uh, hello, how you doing? I hear that you were going to be on the show, but instead you're bottling olive oil in uh, in Philadelphia. Is that true? We are prepping everything today to bottle the oil tomorrow. Hmm. This is Nick Coleman, Captain Greasy on the line. How you doing? Oily, Captain Oily. Apologize. Yeah. Great. We have air shipped in oil. Even though there's a global shortage of olive oil, we have secured oil for the rest of the year. We have air shipped it in. We are bottling it, and we will be shipping it to the world starting in the middle of December. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a, a Patreon thing for our Patreon fools. Uh, you guys already have a Patreon thing. Oh, nice. You so it's still active. All right. Well, then you they should. They should go on. They should go to uh, give them give them your give them your website and tell us what new fancy oils you get in. By the way, world short on oil. My man Nick, long long on oil. You know. Wait, wait, wait. Quick question: Are you are you yeah. shipping international now? Yeah, we ship international. Oh. Well, what kind what kind of international? Like everywhere international, or like Canada, Mexico international? Everywhere international, though there are additional shipping costs. Um, Going internationally. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Good luck when you mm. ship to Canada and people get bent by the fact that, uh, you know, they're like, the VAT's not included. You're like, I don't know how to calculate it. Amazon won't let me. That is, that's all, yeah, like clearly uh, outlined on our terms of agreement yeah. when buying international. Yeah. That is up to the individual buyer. Do you know what's nice about Amazon is they just let you buy it and don't put those terms up, but then the people blame us and then we eat the entire cost. Isn't that awesome? That is not awesome. Yeah. I like it. Do you know the word for not awesome is nawesome? <clears throat> like, kind of like, like, nosh, nauseated awesome? Not, not like it. Yeah, not awesome. It's so, it's so nawesome. Nawesome. Uh, I don't know. Is, is that a new word? Did you just make that up? Are you trying to get traction on that? Is it like donkey balls? Yeah, I, I want everyone uh, to use donkey balls. I think Fat Mike from No Effects. Uh, like got it coined in the Urban Dictionary. Oh, nice. All right. You know, the Urban Dictionary, if it had even a modicum of editing so you couldn't just like go and put your best friend's name in and like give their name definition as butthole, I think it could be like a lot better. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, a little bit of regulation. Uh, you know, probably, probably I, a good thing. I'm not talking about a lot. I'm talking about like rap genius level of editing. You know what I mean? And that's sad because I had a friend who was an editor at Urban Dictionary. Wow. They did a terrible job. Yeah, what they, they do, just sit around and get high all the time? <laughs> no, 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 not that kind of person at all. I mean, I think there's a lot of really bad stuff they have to kind of take down. I think they got their hands full, right. you know. So it's, it's more like, I mean, because like half of it is supposed to be offensive. Every slang word is supposed to be about something offensive, right? I mean, not every, but a lot. 
Right. But where do you draw the line? Because I'm sure there's some stuff that's just, you know. Where do I, I, where do I draw the line? <laughs> well, Donkey punch. Okay. Yeah. Well. <laughs> every slang word is about uh, like something derogatory. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, not, not about... every word. Just many. Look, in the in the see in the nineties, right? There was the American Dictionary of Slang that came out just before the internet, and it was amazing. It was an amazing. I think they only did the first two volumes. At least I only own the first two volumes. And when I used to read that, it's just like a. It's just like every word was a uh, was it vulgar, vulgar, right? A stupid or or was it stupid or. Or execrable person. That was, I think, they, they, like, everything was like that. You know what I mean? I loved it. Loved it. Right. You know what I mean? Gotta up your, gotta up your insult game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anyway. Uh, so, uh, you want to tell us any interesting oils that you're super excited about right now? Yeah, we have, uh, so we're air shipping in uh, a really cool oil from the region of Tusha, which is in the northeast part of Latvia, sort of in between Tuscany and Umbria. And, uh, it's made with like a very classic three olive single estate field blend of Pendolino, Lecino, and Moriolo olives, which are typical olives of central Italy. And it has this beautiful leafy, grassy aroma with an undertone of almond and cinnamon mm. and this balanced bitterness, long peppery finish. We're going to be releasing that to the public around December 15th. It'll start shipping. And a uh, super fresh oil from uh, the last week of October's harvest. So it's an early harvest oil, really vibrant, really clean. Um, and then we're doing a collaboration uh, with Action Bronson with this really nice Sicilian oil from the town of Agrigento in the southern part of Sicily. Uh, and that's a monocultivar Nocellara oil. That will be released similar time. We're, we're going to bottle that at the beginning of next week and then release this. How are, how are the uh, polyphenols on that? I really like Sicilian Nuchalara when it when it uh, when it's an ask a butt kicker. It's it's in the medium robust profile. It's not as high as like the Cherasuola olive or the Coratina olive. Those are going to have higher levels of polyphenols and antioxidants in them. But mm-hmm. this is a little more balanced, versatile. Should I really uh, really nice? Should I should I troll you about oil color or not? About what? Oil color. Should I troll you about oil color again? I don't know. I feel like I've done it too much, but I enjoy doing it. I enjoy getting the, you to hear your spiel about, like, because you get so bent about, like, people thinking that if it's green, it's good. Or if, or whatever people think, you know. If it's if it's yellow, it's going to be pottery. Right? Um, I mean, I love yeah, hearing you go like, ape on it. By the color. Don't judge an oil by its color. I mean, whatever. And, um, but can, is it true, but though, also, that some oils will change in color in a bad way as they oxidize and go rancid? Yeah, they'll turn orange. Yeah. Orange. Mm. But, um, but the whole thing, like anyone who's listening, if you've never had very, very fresh olive oil before, it's a different thing. It's a fresh fruit juice, and, it, and it's clean, and you can consume a lot more of it because it's actually light. Yeah, and uh, really wonderful. So I, I, I like the whatever, fact that you think you know, of oil as juice because the olive is a stone fruit related to the peach, cherry, plum, and apple. That's Joe Hazen is is uh, <laughs> <laughs> loving it. <laughs> so that so I found some David Carradine flute oh, yeah. playing from Kung Fu. Really? Well, someday we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get a flutist in here. Like, wait, Han plays flute, right? Or she composes for flute? She composed for flute. Composed for flute. We're gonna, yeah, com- composes, yeah. yeah. So, so this is, uh, she's like a, you know, uh, a bartender in, uh, in Los Angeles who does a lot of non-alcs at, um, Cato restaurant. And so we had her on the show a while back, Nick, and she was, she's a composer, classical composer, as well as a bartender. And she composes music for flute quite often. And so I was like, oh, we need to get you uh, on with Nick to do a dueling banjos kind of a situation, flute bansuri. And I said that you could be, Nick, you could be the crazy guy on the porch or you know, whatever, that you could be the, you know, the, the, the weird dude on the porch. You know what I'm saying? And uh, she had no idea what I was talking about. She'd never seen or heard of dueling banjos or 
deliverance or the any you know can you play some sort of bansuri like diddling ding 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 is there some sort of equivalent to diddling ding 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 on on a bansuri or no yeah yeah sweet this is gonna happen this is gonna totally happen we're gonna make this happen next year stas that's on the agenda okay yeah next time we do an la thing maybe get her live jack jack and pulsey in merlot wrestling too oh yeah nope never happening wait well I don't Check understand. Out, guys. How is that? How is that undignified? Wrestling in a pool of Merlot. How is that undignified? <laughs> jellied, jellied Merlot. Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. It's jellied. <laughs> right, uh, that just brings all the dignity back. No one wants to slop around in a puddle of spilled wine, but this is a Jello ring. It it just reeks of dignity, right? No, never. Mm. Was Polsky down, Stas? I don't uh-huh. remember. I feel like he was, yeah. I doubt it. Mm. <laughs> mm. All right. Uh, by the way, what, we got a caller? Oh. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Mm. Just, one second, folks. Who listen? Took me a second to find it. Yeah. And then remix it because it can't really play this on radio. Because it's not cleared? Exactly. Response. Guitar still think he's going to kick butt. Awesome. There's I mean, everyone's recent upgrade to the uh, video plan of the Patreon. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I mean, banjo is such a great instrument. Anyone that don't look, Steve Martin's been saying for decades, don't listen to my comedy, listen to the banjo. I mean, I know it's doing that, but I think in a way, you know, he's right. Yeah. Banjo is a great instrument. Underappreciated, as is as are the bagpipes. I don't know about the bansuri. I'm still on the fence. I, I, I'm trying to learn to appreciate the bansuri more, my man Nick. How, like, tell me, tell me something that's going to make me appreciate bansuri more. It's just relaxing. Oh, the, yeah, that's totally anti my vibe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is there a sort of any sort of bansuri music that kind of makes you stand on edge and run around and beat your head against the wall? Because that's more my speed. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think if you, like, ran it through a distortion pedal. Oh, my God. Yeah, we need that. Oh, wait, we have a caller. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, how's it going? Going all right. What's up? Uh, I have a question about sous vide uh, procedure and maybe just uh, an adjustment to what my expectations are. Oh, great. An actual so, cooking technical problem? question. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, right. So um, I am a private chef, and I do small-scale catering and stuff, and I, I pre-cook a lot of my meats sous vide, and I am then re- reheating them usually in the, in the circulator, and I'll do it at like five degrees lower than what the end temperature is, and then do like a finishing sear, arrosé, brown it, butter kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's just not very juicy. Like, okay, the give meat me- isn't, it's, it's not a... Yeah, give me an example. Give me an example of a cut. So uh, I just did chicken breast for somebody. Okay, and what, what was uh, your protocol? It one, cooked, it, cooked it at 
149. Uh, in this case, I did season it ahead of time. Cooked it at 149 for an hour. Uh, my general procedure is to cook them, and it's, it's all kind of based on the chef's steps guidelines, uh, like through the jewel app and stuff, like time mm-hmm. and temperature and stuff, which is super handy. Um, so cook it. Uh, I pull it out, let it rest at room temperature to kind of come back down to temp before I put it in a refrigerator to, like, fully chill. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hangs out in the bag and then reheat it on site, cut it out of the bag, brown it up on the, in the, in the pan and then slice and serve. So you're, you, what are you, and you're reheating it like you said five degrees, but like you're just basically reheating it up to like 140 up to 60. Yeah. One, like 130 to 140 or 135 to 140, kind of depending on what the cut is. If it's something that's a lower temperature, like if I'm doing beef tenderloin or something like that and they want it like medium rare, then I'll just like bring it up to like 120. Yeah. Um, or I will sear it and then slowly bring it up in an oven. Um, but the be- yeah, I love the benefit of the sous vide. You can do all the temperatures kind of at the same time. But Right. Now, yeah. on the ch- – so in general, there's two different kind of problems. So like on the on the chicken, <clears throat> not after an hour, but do, do you have that in Celsius, John, 149? 149 is 65. All right. It's a little high, right? It's a little bit high to hold it for an, an hour. Um, you'd want that middle okay. to probably get up to like 63, but I don't think it's going to be that big of a difference between 65 and 63. Um, have you ever, do you have this, like, uh, I'm just trying to figure out where the dryness is happening. Usually what happens when chicken stays too long and an hour is not too long. I mean, right. I prefer like on a breast cause breasts are, depends on how big the breast is too. Like if, if you're doing a small breast, it's going to get up to temperature in about 30 minutes more at yeah, 30 minutes. So if you were doing 65, gotcha. you probably only needs like about 30. I mean, I would temp it and to see what your temp is in the middle. Right. And a lot of these longer times are, are designed so that. Um, designed so that if you stack two together, you're still not going to get any parts that are viciously, you know, uh, uh, undercooked. But uh, right. but um, the, what happens typically is uh, the meat gets kind of fibery, right? So um, right, if you overcook it, they get that you get it mushy, not tender, mushy. Exactly, tender, not mushy. And the issue right. with that is, is that the, to me, the characteristic of that happening is that the first bite. It seems like it has juice, but then all the juice leaves and you're left with a mouth like you're chewing like a wad of fiber, basically. Uh, like that's yeah, like the characteristic. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so usually. I've noticed, it, I've, noticed it with, I've noticed it with other cuts, too, and it's kind of like a process spectrum. Like I love to do the, the pork shoulder at 135 for like 24 hours, and then you chill it, slice it, and stir it up in a pan. And it's just like you don't get the, that like juice running all over your cutting board, which I suppose you don't want anyway if it's properly rested, but then. When you like, yeah, when you bite into it, it's just, it's not necessarily dry, but it's also not like juicy. Right. And I'm just trying to understand if, if, again, if it's just my own perception, like if that's not a result that you can achieve with sous vide, if it has something to do with the fact that I'm cooking it, cooling it, then reheating it, like would it be better if I just cooked it and then served it straight away rather than going through that cooling procedure? Yeah, not according to Bruno Gousseau, uh, but so what I would do is I would do a multi. Uh, so another thing I do, uh, you know, so like as soon as as soon as the meat gets up to temperature, a particular temperature, the protein coloration, the look of the meat is going to be relatively stable, right? So if you, gotcha. so what I do a lot of times to preserve texture, especially in uh, beef and, and, and things like that, is where you want to let them ride longer to have to to make it more tender is I'll hit my target mark and then I'll drop the temperature while it's cooking, not on the reheat, right? So that the majority of the time after the internals reach what I need, it's at a lower soak. So I, I basically, I think of like your, your cook point and then a soak, which is what I would do for something like the pork, right? Um, but uh, sure. any, any meat that starts out tender that you cook for a long time is only going to get more fibery, Right. Or more, not fiber, right. but like get that thing that we're talking about. Right. Cause it's already tender. Right. So you're always kind of right. in this like, uh, back and back and forth, um, with it. So, but on the chicken, what I would do is I would first try to knock your time down a little bit. I would then also, yeah, I would, tr- I would taste yeah, it before you sear it. Half. Right. I would taste it before you sear it. Okay. And, uh, one, just taste one before you sear it. And if that one's good, then it's, uh, overcooking on the sear step. Right. So, so like that, in in which case, what that means is, is that you need to either pull it out of the bath uh, a little while longer before you sear it. 
accelerate your searing technique, right? Like the easiest way to accelerate a searing technique is to pre-sear it because it takes half yeah. the time to get a crust on something that's been pre-seared, right? So yeah, and that's that's something that I that's something that I do too. And, and like in the case of pork, like I won't season it until it until the end because you get that kind of handy texture. But in this case, and this is the first time I've done chicken breast in a while, believe it or not. Uh, but I did pre-season the chicken, sear it, and then bag it and cook it. It went through that whole procedure, and it, uh, the texture on it was fine. I thought that was great, actually, but yeah, it was just a little bit, like, not juicy. So seasoning, seasoning um, it's interesting. So I've changed my feelings a little bit from, you know, in 2012 when you know, you'd hope that you'd learn something in 11 years, right? But um, – a lot of my issues with pre-seasoning, uh, pre-salting, let's just call it salting, right? <laughs> the other seasonings, a lot of it, like we're talking about fun- functional seasoning. So a lot of my issues with pre-salting uh, meat, um, specifically beef, uh, and these are tests that I did with ribeyes because that's the steak that I love to cook the most. Um, we didn't like the meat when it was uh, seasoned, cooked, salted, cooked, chilled, and reheated. The same meat was good if you didn't chill it and reheat it and um the reason was is that it just got like you say kind of a hammy kind of a uh firmer texture right which makes it eat like a not as good cut of meat as it is so so then i i i went to whenever i was going to do a cook chill reheat i would never salt the meat but then i discovered that um you can get around that by just dropping the temperature once you hit the target so you hit your cooking target and then, so I, I never keep a steak, like a normal steak that's like around an inch, inch and a half. And so an, an inch thick steak, I'm only cooking it at my cooking temperature for about 45, 50 minutes. Inch and a half, I don't really raise it that much because I really don't need the inside to get that high. And then I drop it down to the safest, lowest, the safe, uh, lowest safe temperature, which we can argue about what the lowest safe temperature is, but I put it at 52. Um, as long as all the things are separated and the outside's already been kind of flash pasteurized, so no, none of these like bacteria that are on the outside of the steak can get growing. And then <clears throat> I do my soak right. at, at 52, so I get my tenderizing at 52, and you have to let it ride, you can let it ride for a long time, then chill it, and then you don't get that kind of cured hammy taste. It's keeping the meat at its finished cook temperature for a long time in the presence of, presence of salt that gives it that kind of hamminess. And then it's long cooking gotcha. of any cut of meat that's already tender that gives it that kind of over fibery thing, which is why it's very hard to do a good job on, um, for instance, a tenderloin because it just doesn't have any connective tissue. And so it's basically done the minute it hits temperature and you don't want it to go any longer than that. You know, um, right? Because there's no, no collagen, no connective tissue going on in there, right? Yeah. And by the way, I'd say I actually like tenderloin. I'm not one of these haters. Like, if someone hands me a, a, like a nicely cooked filet, I'm like, this tastes good. I'm not gonna lie and be like, me, me, me has no beef yeah. taste. Yeah, it's good. It tastes good. I'm just gonna go ahead and say to that. Me all, to me, it's all. To me, it's all about context. Like, my my preferred way of having a tenderloin is like pretty rare, but done on like a high, at a hibachi restaurant. Like I used to, that was actually what my first job was working at a local place that did hibachi and they, you know, they sear it and they like slice it super thin and do like this whole kind of sauce on the, on the hibachi with like butter and soy sauce and all that stuff. And that to me is great. Like yeah. I don't think I'm going to seek out a tenderloin, but I'm definitely, you know, to me, it's all about context. Like, and I like temperatures for different steaks. So like I prefer generally speaking, like medium, rare, medium. But for tenderloin, I'll take that rare, medium, rare. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with tenderloin. I'm with you on that. Yeah, and that's exactly right, right? Because, like, it wants to be at a lower temperature, and so it's perfect for someone who's going to use infinite heat for a relatively short amount of time so you get some sort of textural difference and put some sort of, I don't know, I was thinking, like, you know, remember remember when everyone had a peppercorn sauce? Oh, the peppercorn sauce. I love peppercorn sauce. I was going to say, I'm from from Des Moines, and we love our uh, fillets just, like, swimming in cream sauce, and that's always... (laughs) Yeah. A good, uh, a good great as well. Steak de Burgo. Have you ever had steak de Burgo? No. It's only, you can only get it in Des Moines. It's usually medallions of tenderloin. Well, there's a couple of different schools of thought on it because it's kind of like a hundred year old tradition. But um, I think the original one was like tenderloin tips that were seasoned with like Italian seasoning and then like browned up with some garlic and then like swimming and clarified butter. Um, the version that I learned and the version that I do is more like a, a tenderloin medallion, but it's pan seared, pan roasted, and then garlic shallot, white wine, heavy cream, 
Italian herbs, fresh basil, and uh, a ton of butter too. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't. Have Man. No, that, that, what, yeah, what's what's to, what's to go wrong with that? Uh, I used to make something uh, not like that, but a cream-based one with uh, mushrooms and onions that was a old Julia Child recipe. That was good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And go, go tip. Love me, love, me a, love me a snake Diane, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, man. Bring back... Bring back tableside and flames, man. Always. Do you know, like, <laughs> yep. yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, I, look, no one's going to, no one wants to do that kind of stuff anymore. Like, it's just not the way it works anymore. But like, I always love when I see like someone who has the tableside skills. I'm like, what? Tableside right. Caesar. Oh, man. Old school? Yeah. yeah. Where they where they do the, the rub and toss? Yep. Rub and toss. Now, that's yeah. not an urban dictionary thing. That's an actual culinary technique. What'd you say? I've never had, I've never actually had crepe Suzette, but after having watched a bunch of videos, like, I get it, and I understand how freaking good that would be. Like, crepes caramelized and, like, flambéed with sugar and, like, an orange, like, Grand Marnier butter situation. Like, yeah, give me that. I want that. That sounds real good. I like it. It's a little too alcoholic as a dessert for me. You know what I mean? Like, I like my desserts to be my dessert and my alcohol to be my alcohol, but I understand that everybody, that I am weird. I understand that this is a me thing and not an everybody thing. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's because I used to have hey, a Dave, as a kid. What, yeah. Whatever you take, crepe Suzette, and then put it in your 510 press. I could totally do that. You could totally do a crepe, <laughs> crepe Suzette. Uh, my, my home press is only That's four to, only four tons. Don't, don't oversell it. Whatever. Only four tons. But, uh, yeah. I, you know, I just wrote... Are you gonna, are you gonna crepes with like a like a soft like sweet cheese too so that would be some good gush factor uh well you'd well so what i would okay so if you were if we were actually going to do this i would i would soak the i would soak maybe flambe some of it or burn some sugar throw it in with the grandma in with the crepes and then add another base because it'd be, otherwise it'd be too sweet squeeze the heck out of it and then probably do uh, like a milk syrup or yogurt syrup for the cream base, uh, sure. and then shake that, shake that up, and you could do, yeah, yeah, it'd be good. Do you know what I'm working? I, I shouldn't say. Yeah. This. You know what I'm working on now? So like, you know, I might, I might, I may, I may do a, uh, I may be involved in a bar program next year, early next year. Uh, yeah. So uh, if I say this and somebody else comes out with it before I do, or should I not say it? I'll murder all of you. Ready? Ready for it? Uh, uh, there is a uh, a dust cloud called Sagittarius B2 that has very complex organic molecules in it that were formed, you know, in space on ice sheets, right? And one of those okay. uh, compounds smells like almonds and the other one smells like raspberries and rum. So I'm going to do a raspberry, raspberry rum, raspberry orja, uh, raspberry almond orja, like rum drink, and it's going to be called Sagittarius B2. I already claimed it, so anyone that hears this, <laughs> I claimed it right now. And as far as you that. know, I already made it, and so you're ripping yeah. on me if you do it. And I'm gonna, yeah. Can I, can I, can I claim uh, that you made that for my birthday? Because I'm a Sagittarius. My birthday's on December 8th. So. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Can I uh, yeah. there? Yeah. Also, uh, I don't think, kind of taking a step back here with the grand, with the uh, that situation, I really love Aperol or Campari with like orange. What if you did a little splash of that at the end to kind of like cut through some of that sweetness? I don't know. I mean, it also has a lot of sugar in it. Uh, I think I said this on the air. Interesting thing about Campari and Aperol, same sugar level, same exact amount of sugar. That is Just Yeah, the Campari is more bitter. It's more bitter. That's why. Interesting. Yeah, I've measured it. All right. Well, uh, yeah, it's December, so let us know how your Sagittarius B2 cocktail comes out. Although, remember, I did it here first. You heard it here first, people. All right. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thank you. All right. No no worries. Um, okay. Ooh. Uh, okay. Did I already read the question last week about uh, potato starch clarification? I can't remember what I read last week and what I didn't I read last week. I don't think so. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. maybe. What, yeah, whatever's in the new document should be new. Oh, yeah? Well, I know that's not the case because we, I know we talked about Yandu last week, and it's right here at this, as the top top thing. Uh, yeah. So. Maybe. Yeah. So, you know, lack, lack of trust is based on, based on facts. Anyway. Mm. 
Real quick, let's push the Patreon. Oh, go ahead. Discounts and all that stuff. Um, so everyone, just a usual weekly push to sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash cooking issues. You get a lot of um, awesome perks with the memberships. Some levels you get the video feed so you can see Dave dancing to dueling banjos. Um, you get access to the Discord with a great community of like-minded listeners, always talking, asking questions, things like that. You get discounts to places like Grove and Vine and Kitchen Arts and Letters. Um, and then also for our listeners in the greater Toronto area, we got a great Panettone kind of partnership discount going with uh, Toronto Panettone. One of our listeners, Mike, makes a really, really, really fantastic product, and he's offering uh, 10% off to... Us, so that's in the Patreon as well. And if you're in that area, you should definitely order some Panettone for Christmas. And we've had it. Yeah, very good. Very good. No, uh, By the no way, for, since um, Grove and Vine is an older code that's still active, anyone that's new to Patreon just has to go to the Cooking Issues page on Patreon, and there should be a little search bar. So we search olive oil, the promo code, is still active comes right up hey nick you still you yeah, still you still get, with us we got an olive oil question <clears throat> yeah you'll get you'll get 10 percent off the grove and vine products mm-hmm. uh what's the olive oil well so i don't have the answer to this uh i texted uh harold but i haven't heard back yet i you know, i have ideas but i don't want to like go out and say them because you know uh because probably i'm wrong uh, Christian wrote in, uh, I've made a couple of flavored aiolis, uh, recently, uh, they're not, they're not sure if that's the right term. doesn't matter. We know what you mean. Uh, specifically one with a confit garlic and another with, uh, a cilantro slash serrano peppers, peppers, uh, steak and peppers. Nastasia likes the steak and peppers. Um, no, not pepper, not steak and peppers, pepper steak. Pepper steak is not steak with peppers. Yeah. It's black pepper on steak, Nastasia. Uh, No. Which? What do you mean no? It's neither? I don't know what pepper I don't know what pepper steak is. You said that you went to this restaurant, pepper steak, that's all you were talking about. We couldn't go get the pepper steak. Instead we had to I don't, I don't know how they I don't know how they make it. Is it black pepper or big chunks of sauteed no. peppers? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> what do you mean no? <laughs> neither? It neither has black neither. pepper nor peppers in it? Uh Maybe both. Okay. Okay. Whenever I make these aiolis, they seem to taste best immediately uh, after making them. But after sitting for even an hour, they begin to taste more and more eggy, bordering on metallic. And the cleaner original flavor is masked by the metallic one. Is there any way to avoid this? Here's an example recipe for context. One yolk. One half cup, they use a, they're using a, a neutral oil, so I apologize. But like I know this thing, ha- oh, and then two to three tablespoons of uh, olive oil a- added after blending. So they're worried that if they make the aioli with the olive oil, as you know, olive oil can go bitter when it's uh, made into an aioli in, in an electric machine, right? In a, in, a, in a blender, which is, I forget what the cause is, but I used to know the cause of that. Hmm. And then uh, garlic and salt. You got any ideas on this, uh, Nick? I'm not sure this is an olive oil question, but uh, if, you know, if your concern is that the oil's too strong or too bitter or something, I would use a more delicate, sweet, mellow oil, such as an olive oil made with the Arbequina olive or the regional Northwest Italian cultivar Pajasca olive. Well, Those you- will be more delicate, mellow, and sweet and won't overwhelm the garlic and other nuances of the aioli. Yeah, but I don't think that that's what's happening. Do you know what the mechanism of olive oil going bitter is when you make a mayonnaise with it in a blender? Sometimes? No. Me I neither. Do not. I do not remember it. What I think is happening is something in their flavored olive oil and the garlic is getting a sulfur interaction because yolks, like eggs, have sulfury crap in them, and eggy smells are usually, I think, sulfur related smells. And garlic flavors are all about. <clears throat> Sulfur smells. And in fact, memory serves me right, uh, like uh, the real like Spanish style. And Nick, you'll know this. I, I won't remember. And John, you probably know. The real Spanish style, uh, the, the garlic thing, don't have egg as a binder. They use garlic as, yeah. the, as the emulsifier. Yeah. I think, it's, um, I think it's something going on 
put the eggs and the garlic. Here's something else you might want to think about. You're thinking that when you confit the garlic for a long time that you're wiping out all of the stuff in the garlic that can make all of those things. You are not. If you take that garlic and add fresh garlic to it, it will pungentify a lot of the stuff left because you haven't wiped it out. Super high temperatures, like in a pressure cooker, will knock it out, uh, but not just straight confit or cooking, especially depending on how long you've done it. So I would say you can use the garlic as an emulsifier without the egg yolk and and just try it. And if, it, 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 if that's better or if you can use a fake emulsifier to do it, then it's an interaction between the egg yolk and the... And the garlic, because that's like some sort of sulfur on sulfur action. A lot of those things give kind of eggy or metallic notes. And if not, it's the, I don't think it's an interaction with the flavor, flavored olive oil you're adding that you whisk in later. I think it's probably between the egg yolk and the garlic. But that's me. That's my guess. I haven't heard back from the, the McGee yet. Um, all right. A, is this clove or Chloe? Clove. I'm going to say clove. Is there any way to reheat hollandaise sauce from fridge temperature? I've tried everything. Uh, delis in a water bath as low as 100 in Fahrenheit. It takes forever and still splitting. Tried uh, flat vac bags. They too split. I want to make large ba batches and serve it uh, in an EC. Okay, listen. I don't know, but have you tried just letting it split and then beating it back together again? Right? Um, some things like... Some emulsions can be put back together as long as they're not entirely broken. You'll get what's called like a you'll get like a cinerisis. So some of it will leak out. But as long as the base emulsion is there, you can get the liquid back into it. Or are you talking the grease comes out? If 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 it's a liquid out, you can usually get that back in. If it's an oil out, yeah, you're pretty hosed. What do you think, John? Have you done I don't know this? when not with a hollandaise specifically, but when you break an aioli, you can always take that out of the container clean it, then put fresh egg yolks in there and then re-drizzle the content in and that'll re-emulsify and get it back to where you want it. Yeah, but they're looking to... Another thing you could do is set it with gelatin. That's what Wiley used to do. Uh, he would set he would set it with... Uh, he would add a little gelatin to it. It would set it and it would like sterically inhibit it from breaking. And then when you reheat it, 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 it never has a time as it's cooling to kind of flocculate and break. Uh, so that's another thing. I mean, I'm sure you could do it with non, with non meat based, uh, products, but, um, and then you could also just, uh, add, uh, emulsifiers to it that will keep it emulsified no, no matter what, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, I don't know what would be best for that, but you know, you could start with something simple like, uh, like a Xanthan Arabic mix, uh, you know, um, because I know that works for butter syrups. So if you can make a butter syrup uh, with um, with uh, Ticaloid 210 or 310, which is essentially just a mix of Arabic and Xanthan, then I'm sure you could also stabilize a hollandaise with it, right? Yeah. Which is nothing but thick butter syrup. Yeah. You know what I mean? If, if you think about it. Uh, I like hollandaise. Love hollandaise. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Eggs Benedict would be my last meal. Really? Yeah. With lots of hollandaise. Okay, what pork in the Benedict? Oh, any but Taylor I ham pork roll. Oh, <laughs> call out. Yeah, no. Have you, Nick? Have you ever tried Toronto real Toronto pea meal bacon? No, it's delicious. It's delicious. Sounds it, good. It's good. It's it's a it's one of those things where like I'm just mad that uh you know just yet another thing that Americans have marginalized Canadians with like you know with what we call Canadian mm. bacon here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just another bit of skullduggery on our part. Add it to the list. Um. All right. Uh, William wrote in. I don't know if I talked about this last week. Someone stop me if we have. Uh, if Dave starts an academic journal, he can file this under the Proceedings of the Society for Low-Quality Individuals. That would be a good journal. It's for, for everyone. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> yeah. It's a journal for everyone. Uh, over dinner with my wife, I was describing the recent uh, advances in clarifying ginger juice. Uh to clarify, again, I'm not that insufferable, boring guy. She has a PhD in engineering and was actually interested. I mean, those aren't mutually exclusive. They could be both. True. Yeah. Uh, I had mentioned how starchy liquids were a longstanding clarification problem and had seen recent progress. She stopped me and asked if potato starch could be clarified and now wants to know how close humanity is to raindrop mashed potatoes. I hope very, very far, William. Very, very far. Very far. Actually, I remember, I think 
I want to say David Zilber. It wasn't clarified, but he did post about, I think it was him, juicing potatoes, and then he, he hydrated the starch. So it was like a weird, clear goop that wasn't pleasant, but then he figured out they could they could absorb a lot of butter. Yeah, well, Apparently it was decent. well, okay, so William was like, I figured they would be the authority on the feasibility of raindrop mashed potatoes, which would be unholy clear mashed potato gel. Uh, maybe this would be a Jack Schramm territory as a gelatin master. Is this the future that low-quality humanity deserves? All right, listen, here's the issue. This I'm going to file this under the same category as the warm ice cream category. So for years, uh, chefs were, were trying to figure out how to make hot ice cream, right? That was a thing. And so everyone thought they, you know, Wiley, everyone was working on this hot ice cream problem. Uh, food technologists, right? And uh, <clears throat> yeah, they never got it. They never got it to work because you're looking for something that inherently isn't going to work, right? So they were using methocells, something that melts as it gets cooler. But the, the, the problem is, is that it's just not it, – it, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Anyway, so like um, – uh, Alex and Aki have posted about – Everyone's posted cream. about it. I was there at the time. But the thing yeah. is, is it doesn't work. Nobody yeah. likes it. It's not a good product. You know what I mean? Like so like – so like the issue with this is that uh, it, with mashed potato, right, we can make goop – you can even, first of all, anything that is a small enough particle to be thixotropic, right? So like to act like a mashed potato such that it's relatively smooth. If you take a clear gel, the closest you can get to this, by the way, is to take a clear gel. There are plenty of them. But then when you blend them to make a fluid gel, which is the closest thing that you're going to get to a mashed potato, not clear anymore because it's a lot of micro particles that as the light goes through them, right, they, they, they bend. So, you know, and they get diffused. So it's always going to look... Um, <clears throat> milky, right? Or, you know, it's like fluid gels are never, you can get them fairly clear, but the clearer they are, right, the less they act like mashed potatoes and the more they are like hair gel. So anything that's going to have kind of clumpy properties in it is going to have, is going to bend light in a weird way because it's going to have a bunch of shards in it that, you know, don't, don't work right. It's easy to make clear starch goop, right, because a lot of, think of cornstarch, right, and you can even, um, <clears throat> like corn, uh, potato starch will clarify, it's relatively large, so if you, and there's lots of techniques that are built around this, in Korean cooking, I can think of a bunch of them where you you grate your potatoes, and then you take the potatoes out. You let the starch water sit. You harvest the starch off the bottom. And the water is fairly clear, right? Um, but what's left over isn't uh, going to be a, a, a mashed potato. I think it's not. Uh, I think thankfully this is not uh, something that we have to worry about in the future. You know what I mean? Agreed. Yeah. Thankfully. Thankfully. Oh my God. Um, okay. Uh, Dave Kleinman writes in, can I make malt syrup from malt powder? I have sous vide and PID uh, oven so I can do long, low temp things. If so, how? And what's the proper pH of a bagel boiling solution as well as the proper bricks so I can get an idea of how much local uh, local ingredients to use, concentrated liquid malt extract, etc. And 14 pH uh, lye water in Thailand. Okay, strictly speaking, you don't need uh, to... You don't need to... Uh, lower the you don't need to raise the ph of the water for bagels although it will make the the crust better i don't have like hard numbers for you uh the the issue with malt is malt means many things to many people so there's malt powder and diastatic malt powder this is made by grinding up like malted barley it's essentially a flour right one of which is sweeter uh sorry one of which still has enzymatic action and one of which is not there's then also dry malt extract which is where you make a malt syrup which is predominantly sugars right and you know and then stuff you could actually brew beer with and then dehydrate it so that's dry malt extract um, usually when you're cooking with malt in the water, I'm adding malt syrup. And so actually, since I don't really have maltose or malt syrup lying around, I usually use honey because it's also a reducing sugar. It'll give you that nice kind of a brownie thing. Uh, I'm sorry if this wasn't answering your question, but this is, this is what I've got in this short time. It's being, uh, uh allowed to be. Um, oh my God, here's a Hanukkah question. Can I get to it? 36 seconds. Cause we're going to miss it. I'm having a little Hanukkah party for about 10 to 12 people. I know I'm a bad person if I make latkes ahead of time, but the party's really for a few kids all age seven or under making the latkes while everyone's, uh, uh, lockers, well, everyone's over seems like a nightmare waiting to happen. Plus, I'm a bad person. Any tips for how to do it and have the lockers be as good or almost good as fresh? I've seen a bunch of different suggestions, including undercooking them and refrigerating them and throwing them in a hot oven. Don't refrigerate. Freeze. Freezing is a 
dehydration product and it's going to make the uh, it's going to m- make it crispier on reheat. But you should really still fry them. You should make them frozen, heat up a, a small thing, and then fry them. That's really uh, cooking them all the way up, but only two hours in advance, and holding them in two hundred degree oven with the door jar. No, no. If you hold them in a two hundred degree oven with a with a door jar, unless you have very good skills with like an APO and like a you know a combi oven, they're going to get the, the texture is going to get ruined because the latkes are not meant to sit. They're not meant to sit. They're meant to have a crispy outside and like a nice inside. The best way to do this is to pre-make, par-cook, uh, par-fry, and then freeze them, and then and then fry them from fresh, which is pretty quick if you're if you're willing to do that. Or go on to Simplot, which is the one of the two largest potato manufacturers in the world, and they make what they call "quote unquote" old European potato pancakes that are made frozen. And you know who makes good potato products better than most of us? Simplot. Cooking issues. 